Good morning. Uh, wonderful to be with you again down from the mountains. And uh, it was actually my dad who was meant to be preaching this morning, uh, but at the last minute he needed to not do that. And so I have the great pr- pleasure of bringing the word to you this morning. Um, uh, Pastor Rick is up on the mountains, preaching up on the mountains, so that's great. Uh, I'd also like to welcome our, uh, our, our family who's been away from home for a while, uh, the Reverend Dr. Dean O'Keefe, who's, uh, it's great to have him. We had our uh, Alpha Christmas College graduation yesterday uh, at the International Convention Centre, a great day, and uh, of course, um, Dean heads up the South Australian uh, expression of the college, which is doing, doing great. I was there earlier this year, finally able to get out of the, the uh, state. <laughs> How about we pray? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here right now. Thank you for what you are already doing in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our bodies. And we just welcome you to have your way in and through us right now. Lord, we open up our hearts and our minds, our spiritual eyes and ears, speak to us, transform us into the image of Christ, do the things that only you can do in us as your word is spoken. We thank you in advance. We are expectant of something in this place from heaven to transfer into us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This new kingdom is our theme. Uh, I don't know uh, whether you've thought much about parables. Uh, I'm sure you have. Jesus gave a lot of them, right? (laughs) The gospels are full of parables and many of them are actually about the kingdom. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he goes and tells a story. And I began to just sort of think about this this notion of parables because wouldn't it just be easier if Jesus just did like a plain English version? The kingdom of heaven is, here's the definition. Um, Instead, he gives us a story. Why, why parables? Well, I mean, of course, there is that part of Scripture that talks about actually confounding you know, that people wouldn't understand what he was saying because he used parables, except that God would reveal that the, the meaning of those stories. But actually, I think that parables themselves, we know that they can be very powerful because when we're unfamiliar with something, when something is outside of our reality, a parable can make it so much more present, so much more meaningful. That thing that is foreign to us, if we use something that is very familiar to us, suddenly we have a connection to that thing that's, that was, you know, a bit, we weren't quite able to understand it. But now we're talking about something that's in our world, that's in our reality. And we go, oh, okay, it's like that. And so I think part of what Jesus was doing in parables was trying to bridge that gap between this kingdom that for some was just so far out of their frame of reference that that he needed to bring it into their their day, their present, what was familiar. Also, I think abstract concepts really benefit from concrete examples. Uh, You know, you can talk about 
the power of trust all you like, and it's, it's a great thing, the power of trust. But when you tell the story of the boy who cried wolf, who goes out and uh, in the little village out into the, and takes care of the sheep and then gets a bit bored and thinks, what would it be like if I just ran back and said, oh, there's a wolf, there's a wolf. And so he does it. And the, the, all the villagers come rushing out and, and they've got their pitchforks and they've got their axes and, and there's no wolf. Rotten kid. They, they go back and he gets bored again. So that's well. It was fun the first time, <laughs> we tried a second time. You know the story. Eventually the wolf actually comes. He goes and says there's a wolf and no one comes out and the sheep are eaten and he's eaten and the whole village is eaten. <laughs> I don't really remember how the story ends, but it's something like that. <laughs> Parables. Parables. <laughs> And so Jesus, Jesus uses a number of parables and, and I just began thinking, well, if he was here today and he was going to talk to us about, because some of these things in scripture, we understand them, we can kind of get some kind of context of the cultural situation and yeah, we understand the parable, but what story would Jesus use today? if he was going to try and explain this kingdom to us that would make sense to us. And so I started thinking about that. And, and I'm just going to run through a bunch of parables, but I'm going to tell the story I think Jesus might tell if he was trying to tell it today and, and make, make some sense of that for us. The first one comes from Matthew 25, uh, 1 to 13. You might know it as the parable of the 10 virgins, but here's my story. It's the maths test that will determine whether you graduate or whether you fail. You study for it, but your teacher refuses to tell you when this test is going to be. So you, you keep studying and you keep bringing the, the pencils and the paper that you need, that you know that you're going to need for that exam. But day goes by, day, you, you, you keep going to this teacher, they, they keep teaching and, and they keep not telling you when this thing's going to happen, that's going to determine your future. And weeks go by and months go by. And one day the teacher says, all right, it's today. But of course, by this time, half of the class has stopped bringing their pencils and papers. But half the class was diligent. They had their pencil, they had their paper. And of course, the other half says, well, we can't do the test. We, 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 we don't have the gear. Can, can you lend us some? Well, if we lend you some, we're not going to have enough. And so half the class fail the test and don't graduate. It's, it's tragic. I reckon if, if I was to kind of summarise this parable, you know, most parables have, a, have that takeaway. Do you remember Aesop's fables? You know, and, and, and the, the, the takeaway from the hare and the tortoise is the sl slow and steady wins the race, right? Okay, so, so what, what, what might the, the, the catchphrase, the catchline be? Well, maybe something like, live every day like it's your last. Now, let me stop for a moment because that sounds an awful lot like a good line from a self-help book. 
But this is meant to be a kingdom principle. And, you know, I've got to, it seems to me that, that uh, we can take for granted the impact that the Christian gospel has had on our Western world. Uh, uh, and in fact, there's so much that we've taken from the, the truth of the, the scriptures, the truth of the kingdom that we have robbed of its godliness. And Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy 3, 5. He says, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. What what a tragedy that is. There's so much of what we see today is there's so many sectors, there's this form of godliness, but it's denying the power thereof. And the, uh, if, if, Dad was preaching this morning, he would have talked to you about the connection between, maybe he will do it sometime in the future, about the connection between the new creation, which we've been talking about, and the new kingdom. And the fact is the only way that we can truly enact the kingdom principles is with kingdom power. I better say that again just to make sure we've got it. See, the only way we can truly enact kingdom principles is with kingdom power. Philippians 2.13 says, It's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil His good purpose. Well, so live every day like it's your last. I tell you what, if you do that in your own strength, you'll just burn out. You'll just get exhausted. Man, living every day, that just sounds overwhelming. But I tell you what, when it's kingdom powered, then it's really, it's not exhausting yourself. It's just being open and being obedient and being ready. There's a kingdom principle there. Live every day like it's your last, which is simply being obedient and being ready, functioning kingdom power. There's another parable in uh, Matthew 25, 14 to 30, and you would know it as the parable of the talents. Here's my version. (laughs) You're working for Bill Gates. And one morning he walks in and says, see you later. I will be back sometime. Uh, In the meantime, uh, can you just take care of things in Microsoft? You know, just... uh, The shareholders will be expecting equal returns to what I've given them or better. Um, So you do marketing, you do product development, you do maintenance. So he disappears. And suddenly you find yourself with one of these new tasks and you don't get to say, when do you think you're gonna be back? It's just, you have a new job with expectations from a whole bunch of people. Uh, I just said live every day like it's your last. I think this one is build like Jesus isn't coming back in your lifetime. And I love that about, actually, about the kingdom. It's often filled with these kind of paradoxical ideas. And on the one hand, we're meant to live like, we don't know, this might be your last day on this planet. I hope it's not. I hope you're around for longer. But we don't know. Do we know? I don't know. But at the same time, there's a whole bunch of people who get so focused on that 
that actually they don't build anything to last. And, and actually, here's a parable that says, no, you know, you've got to build like he's not coming back in your lifetime. We've got to build generationally. There's actually so many amazing things that have been accomplished on the planet for the kingdom because someone wasn't just thinking about, well, I'll do whatever I need to do just for the, today. Yeah. They were thinking through the generations. And how powerful that is as a kingdom principle. Again, you know, sure, the... You might hear similar ideas in, in a self-help book, but no, this, this is actually, that was stolen. This is the kingdom principle that we're building for generations. We're building for an increase of the kingdom. There's another parable. Uh, this one comes from, uh, where does this one come from? This one comes from Matthew 22, 1 to 14. You might know it, it's a parable of the wedding banquet. It's your 21st. You plan a big, big, the biggest party you've ever planned because it's 21. And one by one, all the special people that you love and dear to your heart start making excuses. Oh, look, uh, uh, yeah, I'm working. I've got to work over that weekend. No, no comparisons to reality here. Uh, um, so Solomon, my nephew, just had his 21st last night. Um, and, and our daughter's got a 21st in a couple of weeks. Uh, so, uh, you know, someone else is going, oh, you know, I, oh, man, I forgot I already said yes to that other thing, that other engagement. There's someone else says, oh, just, I've come down with a bit of a cold, you know, COVID, everything. I'm, mm, better just stay away. Until no one's coming to your 21st. It's a bit sad, isn't it? So you stick up a, a public social media post and you say, does anyone want to come to my 21st? And then suddenly all these people are texting, going, yeah, I'll come. What, what's for dinner? Uh, uh, where do you live? Where are we coming to? And suddenly there's this massive party of all these people that you don't know, but they were willing to come. <laughs> I reckon the, the tagline for this might be, don't miss out because you made excuses. Wow. Just yesterday, Pastor Russell, now Dr. Russell Evans, because we gave him a doctorate of ministry, an honorary doctorate, um, he was just saying, you know, I, I'm, he basically saying, look, I'm not the smartest tool on the shelf and I'm, I'm, I'm a broken pastor's kid, and I, you know, but I just said yes. Yeah. I, God just asked me to do stuff and I said yes. And I remember then Darlene Czech spoke and, and she echoed these words. She said, you know, yes, I just said yes. And it is truly amazing what God can do with people who say yes, yes. and people who don't say but, <laughs> but you want to, what about this? What about that? You know, what, what am I meant to do? How does this all work? I know Chris and I have been a number of times where we've said yes. And even when it hasn't looked like it's, there's a, a whole lot of sense to it. But when you say yes to God, there's a kind of fruitfulness that doesn't really come any other way. Don't miss out because you made an excuse. When God calls, say yes. 
because there's a wonderful testimony of something on the other side of that. And I think the other thing that occurs to me in this, if uh, maybe I'm allowed two taglines, I'm not sure. Um, the, <laughs> the obvious choice may not be the best choice. Wow. Yeah. Ah, so many times through scripture we see, you know, the, Israel's first king, uh, Saul, the obvious choice. Uh, but that was ultimately wasn't God's choice. And maybe you feel like the obvious choice. Uh, that's fine. Great. Awesome. But I think most of actually, actually probably feel not like the obvious choice. Really, God, do you want me to do that? Surely there's someone better. Surely there's someone more equipped. Surely there's someone more whole. I don't know, something. So someone... <laughs> But right here we have this principle that, that ultimately God was interested in the ones who came. Yes. He asked everyone. He, he, did, he did say, please come. But if we do make excuses, he'll find someone. Yes. I want to be that someone. Come on. There's a kingdom principle. Here's another one. I hope you enjoy my versions. You can make up your own if you like. The thing is, just like read the originals and, and, and see what God says to you. Because we're try, what we're trying to do is to drag these things that are perhaps not that clear to us. The kingdom, it can seem so out there. But actually, Jesus wants to make it very present in our reality. He doesn't want it to be an abstract concept for us. He wants it to work in our lives today, to this afternoon, over lunch. He wants it to work tomorrow morning when you go to work. Matthew 13, 31 to 43, what you know is the parable of the mustard seed. It's February 2011. You're struggling to put food on the table for your family. You, you don't even know if you're gonna have a roof over your head tomorrow morning. It's really dire. You are just keeping your head above water. And a friend pops by and they say, hey, have you thought about investing? And you go, <laughs> invest with, with what? <laughs> the, the rice that's on my table for the, the food? That, and they say, well, no, look, there's, there's this great opportunity. There's this new kind of money. It's not real money. It's actually just all zeros and ones, but it's computer money. It's called Bitcoin. And with your last $100 that you scrape for the coins together from every corner of the house and you, every last cent you spend that $100, buying a hundred Bitcoin because they are a dollar in February 2011. <laughs> 10 years later, that $4.8 million that you have sitting around is now invested and it's feeding your family, but so much more. It's feeding the community. It's feeding the destitute. It's a blessing to your whole world. A kingdom principle is start small, but expect it to grow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, expect it to grow is not a, a capitalist idea. It's a God idea. Yes, he creates little seeds that become big trees. Yeah. 
God's idea is growth. Don't let the world steal it from us. The fact is, when we start with something small and God breathes on it, it grows. So, yeah, sometimes it's difficult to seem so insignificant, that thing that we can do or that we can sow. I mean, look, I can only, I can only, I've only got this half an hour to, yeah, but, but when God breathes on it, when it's employed in kingdom as a kingdom principle, there's extraordinary fruitfulness that's possible. And of course, you know, that's not just for us. We're blessed to be a blessing. That's the, the whole, you know, in that, in, that, uh, in that original parable, it says that all the birds of the air get to nest in this tree and enjoy the fruit that it, it, it provides. Maybe one more. All right. Matthew 13 to 44 to 46. You might know it as the parable of the hidden treasure. You've been trawling eBay for a decade to find that last rarest piece of your Star Wars collection. Day after day, week after week, you've been waiting. When, when, is that, when is that George Lucas episode four Panavision camera going to come up on eBay? And it comes up one day. And it, it will only cost you $625,000. And you work out that if you sell everything you have, if you sell your house and your car and, and your kids, and your, if, if you sell everything, you will be able to get the pinnacle of Star Wars memorabilia. And so you sell everything up and you buy it. And everyone looks at you pretty weirdly. What the heck? Why would Jesus tell a story like this? Like this, not, not quite that one. <laughs> the thing is, you can't do a timeshare on the kingdom. It only works if you're all in. But we, the kingdom doesn't work with one toe in it. Yeah. <laughs> it only works when you're in. That's when the, the kingdom principles start to come alive in us, start to work in us. It, 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 and, and so Jesus talks about this. It, yes, it costs everything. It's just that it's worth it. Yeah, that's right. It's just that being in the kingdom is far better, just mind-bogglingly more important and more fruitful and more full of everything that we want, peace, joy, than what the other option is. So why wouldn't we be all in? If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're a new creation and you're a part of a new kingdom. How are those kingdom principles working in your life or outworking your life at the moment as you think about some of these things 
how is God wanting you to engage in those kingdom principles? The fact is, we could potentially not enact some of those principles. We could choose sort of not to engage in some of those principles, but they're there, they're there for us. They're there for us to engage with. They're there for us to apply to our world if, if we want them, if we're listening, if we're ready, if we're hungry, if, if we would listen to the Holy Spirit. So let's take this moment. Maybe, can I have the team back up? Or at least, yeah, thank you. Maybe you've been so focused on a long-term game that you've stopped really living with it, that deep sense of expectation and, and urgency about what God is calling you to. Maybe the opposite. Maybe you, you're so ready for Jesus to come that actually you're not putting in stronger foundations for the next generation. Maybe you found yourself making excuses and God's calling you to step into something or do something or uh, have that conversation, make that phone call, whatever, whatever it might be, uh, volunteer for, for, for that service. But you've just found yourself making excuses and they're good excuses, but you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> that... God wasn't after excuses. He was after your obedience. Maybe you've started with some small things and they really just don't seem to have taken off. They really don't, you can't see the growth in them yet. And so you've perhaps given up. On the, maybe, maybe that wasn't, I don't know, maybe I missed it. And maybe your faith needs to be reignited to know that if God plants a seed, it's going to bear fruit. Maybe you've been sort of doing a bit of a timeshare on the kingdom, a one foot, one in, in, one foot out. And, and you know that it's just time to put your whole self in. Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts right now. We don't just want to identify with being your children and, and, and waiting for heaven. Lord, we, we, we pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighbourhoods, as it is in heaven. So Holy Spirit, speak to us and empower us to bring your kingdom come. Bring your kingdom principles into reality, into our world. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you. God bless.